1: another hour of content here on the Osmo YouTube channel and now it's NFL time where we're doing some lineup building to get you guys ready for the four game slate our last our biggest final slate of the NFL season it's going to take two games uh, two days to accomplish it all I'm Chris Spaggs joined once again by the top player in the world the namesake of this channel and a man who's putting in countless hours to make sure you guys have the best information for the NFL this weekend he's Alex Baker better known as Osmo how are you doing Alex
2: Good, man. Uh, It's sad because I feel like last week Big Ben won us all the money and now we can't pick them. That's just how the playoffs are going. Unfortunately, we can't count on the same guys for money every single time. So we're going to have to come up with some new ones and uh, hoping you guys uh, got some picks for me. Hopefully we can pour one out for Big Ben and his, his lost season. But
1: another man is going to help us break down who, I guess, lost his namesake team last week. So a bit of a sad moment in his life. But he's another top player in the world, a man doing a lot of things behind the scenes for Osmo as well. He's Steve Buzzard. How are you doing, Steve?
3: I'm doing great. Yeah, that was a a tough game for the Colts last week. That was unfortunate. Um, Unfortunately, it didn't uh, work out this year, but it was a successful season overall, so I was pretty happy with that. And yeah, hopefully we can find some guys that bring us all the money this
1: week like uh, Big Ben did. Yeah, they they definitely uh, did their best they could, especially given a Phillip Rivers quarterbacking. But hey, you got to be proud of your boys just leaving it all on the field.
3: Yep, Absolutely.
1: All right. So guys, for one quick promo real fast, because it's the last day of it. And, and quite frankly, I wouldn't be doing my job here if I didn't try to put you guys onto our handsome, brilliant, and Jake Hari and all the great NHL folks. So use the promo code Gretzky over at Osmo.com slash join. Um, you get access to all of the Osmo data for 29.95. But if you use that promo code Gretzky, you can get a special deal here. $3 a week of Osmo plus NHL and Quite frankly, the amount of people who've won with NHL, our own producer, Tyler, here trying to figure it out behind the scenes, uh, guys like Josh, guys like Greg have won a lot of money uh, just playing NHL, not really understanding the game. Adam, uh, shit my money. He's been talking on Twitter, really rubbing it in hockey fans' faces <laughs> out there, how he straight up doesn't know the sport, and yet it's one of his most profitable ones. And that's, uh, I think, a lot of credit goes to the data that's behind the scenes at Osmo. So make sure to go to Osmo.com slash join and use that promo code Gretzky if you want to fix for a sport besides NFL this weekend. We do have a big two-day slate. Sling- and there's also going to be some single day slates as well for the contest this week. And I wanted to first ask, obviously we have two of the best tournament players out there. So Steve, I'll ask you first, do you have any sort of thoughts overall about how to handle a two day slate? Cause we talked before the show, there are some injuries lurking out there for Sunday that we don't know the status of Clyde Edwards, Hilaire. We don't know Sammy Watkins for sure. Or Ronald Jones certainly left a lot of people, myself included holding the bag last week. So how do you handle this from kind of an overarching, uh, you know, 30 mile view level of trying to play a two game slate or two day slate and also anticipate some of the curveballs you may have for Sunday.
3: Right, yeah. So, one of the major differences between a two day slate and a single day slate is that you have all evening to change your lineup. So, that could be a good thing, it could be a bad thing. Uh, the bad is when you overthink things. So, in the NBA, live finals this year, DraftKings made the slate two days to cover the first set of games in the NBA playoffs as an example. And over the evening, it looked like I had a a pretty good start to the to the tournament and found myself kind of tinkering around with the lineup and seeing what I wanted to swap onto. And unfortunately what happened there is ended up changing around my lineup and <laughs> made my win- lineup worse. So what would have been a second place lineup finished into a uh mediocre turn uh, lineup. So that's really the thing you want to really be careful about doing, but at the same time, it gives you a chance to really think about where you were the- in that first day, especially if you had a really bad first day, like if you're, wide receiver two ended up scoring like a zero and you're not completely out of it, but you're not doing very good. You can take some major chances on Sunday, uh, get a guy that you know maybe is going to be lower owned and try to make up for those points. And maybe you won't win the tournament, but at least you'll be able to salvage your day and make it into a pretty solid one where you can make a, a, a decent profit still. So I, I think that's the the biggest thing that I would think about between the two day slates is, how you have that opportunity to really bring some extra umph on that second day. And at the same time, that means that if people are going to be taking those extra chances on the, that second day, uh, you might have to have a slightly higher score to to do well on the cash line. So think about that while you're building your lineups as well.
1: So one question people might have, Steve, you're talking about this lineup that you tinkered with. Was it one where you tinkered just to try to get different or you tinkered to maybe a higher projected bill that you didn't have because of the way the optimizer shook out? Or um, what was your actual change there that you made that, that didn't work out the way you wanted?
3: Yeah, so I had originally in that lineup, James Harden was the major chalk on that slate. And it was one that I had faded originally, but because of the really hot start I decided well it might just be fine to go ahead and use James Harden in the lineup that moved me back off of LeBron LeBron outscored Harden quite a bit plus the other swaps that I made in in between also kind of uh, blew up a little bit so so that so just I, I think that's a really good good point that you make there it's I think a good time to swap a lot of people will will say that you should swap if you're you're doing well to something a little bit more conservative and Typically, my thought has always been that that's a poor idea. And then I went back against that on in that decision because you're you're still trying to get first place. So there's no time in DFS that you should really be conservative. Uh, The better chance is if you really had someone that bombed uh, at the beginning and then you're looking to kind of make up some ground from there, in my opinion.
1: And now you got James Harden shipped out of town, so you showed him. I think that's really <laughs> the best revenge is living well and getting a man traded to Brooklyn. Alex, how about you? Any any overarching thoughts here for a two-day slate where, you know, obviously the late swap demizer, if you have Fantasy Cruncher as part of our Osmo package, or if you just have it, obviously a great tool there to help, uh, you know, tinker your lineups as you go and make sure that they're still reflecting the best projections, especially as Alex updates throughout the weekend. But how are you feeling, Alex, about approaching this overall? And are you leaving are you leaving I guess roster spots open for Sunday in the hopes that maybe you could swap around there? Are you deliberately maybe limiting your players from the Saturday games in the hopes that you can leave some room to try to find an edge? What are you looking at overall when you're going through your process, Alex?
2: I think you're muted. Sorry. I like the discussion where like maybe you should go a little bit more chalky if you you're off to a hot start because you can you can box out more of the field where like you already have like the nuts and then like if more of the people if you switch to higher own guys that's just more guys that you're ahead of, but you really do have to nail like every single play in your lineup to win one of these big field tournaments. Um, so like I think. It varies a lot in execution. I got a lot of questions last weekend. Like, should I switch on to this combo? Like, usually, like, a 2v2, 3v3. It's not really going to change your chances of winning, like, a whole lot unless you go really off the wall. But um, especially for stuff like a cash game or a Thunderdome or small field tournament, like, you can really up your edge because, like, say you stack um i'd say you stack tampa bay and uh let's see this is a bad example because the last game they all the guys are pretty popular but or they're about equally popular but i guess um you're like everyone has Kamara left so i'm going to swap on to ronald jones because i'm behind everyone and like, although that play won't work out as much, if you're already drawing dead, that will improve your odds. So that is a way you can eke out some additional money, um, which over the long term, those small edges really add up
1: so i guess uh, one other one other thought which i think some people in the chat may have and of course if you are in the chat right now make sure you hit that like button really smash it if you can here because our pal Laffy couldn't be here today uh he's he's dealing with some uh, not dealing with he's having a, a lovely pregnancy appointment for his own uh, his child that he's rearing himself in a, a classic arnold schwarzenegger jr scenario but um we're, we're we need likes for him we need likes for ourselves we need likes to feel good about ourselves so always make sure you like awesome videos but we saw a lot of zeros last week alex and i think that may be something people may be thinking about worried about about maybe even have to deal with this week where if you're playing a lot of Saturday guys and you end up with the Corey Davis uh, you know playing he did get hurt towards the end of that game but still for the most part at three quarters of doing absolutely nothing is there any way for you or that you might think to try to salvage those lineups like are you willing to leave five six K on the table just to try to get different and take trying to think who it would even be like take a Scotty Miller instead of a Mike Evans that's obviously very theoretical but like are you willing to get crazy there if things do go south in the way that
2: we saw last weekend So, once you do get a zero, I think you got to just abandon all hope to win the tournament. Your main goal is just cashing at that point. So, I would just try to re optimize for highest point projection unless you really have some in depth strategy about like some guy that's real low owned. Like, an example last week would have been Fournette, who is 1% owned, and he ended up having a pretty good day. So, that could put you over the top but it would be extraordinarily hard to win with a zero in um, one of these four game slates. Steve, how are you feeling about the concept? And obviously, yeah, a zero would be tough to dig out of, but
1: you know, if, if you are trying to get to that cash line, is there anything that you would suggest? I mean, and Alex saying throw everything out the window. So I think that would also include the idea of a minimum salary floor and trying to you know keep it close to the vest, but do you have any, any sort of suggestion, Steve, for the folks out there who might just find themselves behind the eight ball instantly.
3: Yeah, I think the one of the best ones would be to to kind of bank on one of these injured players not coming through to the, their full capacity. So let's say that, uh, let, let's see here, we got Ronald Jones, right? So if Ronald Jones is deemed to be active still, maybe you still take a chance on Fournette in, in the hopes that Ronald Jones is not up to par and he actually kind of bombs maybe he gets injured the first couple plays maybe he was just kind of put in as a, a decoy or well not really as a running back but but you kind of get the point and Sammy Watkins would be a similar one you could put in McCole Hardman so someone that not if Sammy Watkins is out go to McCall Hardman but if Sammy Watkins is in go to McCall Hardman I think could be a, a pretty interesting strategy for that.
1: One other general question I would have here because of the fact that we have the single day slates as well, we're going to have the two games on Saturday, the two games on Sunday. Uh, Steve, is there anything you would do in terms of leverage where, like, let's say you have a lineup that's doing well in the two day slate, and then you have Sunday coming up, and you have, you know, let's say I'm trying to think of what the example would be here, but you have uh, maybe not enough exposure to Mahomes in in your main two day or two day slate lineups, and then you're trying to get some way to capture that production without knowing that you locked in a Josh Allen and a Lamar Jackson who had a pretty big ceiling day. And this is obviously all theoretical. I unfortunately don't have the sports almanac telling me what's going to go down. But, Steve, how do you feel about that? Is there Would you maybe change your ownership exposures where you're sort of hedging against your two-day slates for Sunday?
3: So typically I think of each of the slate as kind of an inde- independent investment. So if just because you are low on Mahomes on Saturday, two-day slate, I wouldn't necessarily go over the field on him on Sunday because you could very easily end up being wrong on both of them you could absolutely have to have Mahomes on the Sunday only slate but not necessarily have to have him on the Saturday slate so I think there's just too much wiggle room where uh, if you're trying to coordinate those ownerships that it really won't work that probably the best opportunity to maybe hedge that a little bit would be if you were had a really good lineup going into the last game and maybe you had only ronald jones or something like that left and you really needed ronald jones to have a big game and you could really pound a uh a prop bet on Fournette's rushing yards or something like that so that you could kind of hedge yourself a little bit like that but i think just between the two different slates i think it'd be really difficult for you to find enough leverage uh, to really make up for lineups between the two
1: Alex, do you agree with Steve there that it'd probably be a little bit too much of a moving target or really more of a a juggling more than anything to even try to hedge if you did feel good about your Saturday outcome in the two-game slate or the two-day slate? It's so hard to say not two-game and two-day. It's really going (laughs) to prepare for me to screw that up 10 more times over the next uh, half hour here. But Alex, do you have any thoughts about that, the concept of hedging if you are running pretty good on the two-day?
2: It's really tough because, like, if you're thinking Ronald Jones is a good play uh, in the four-game slate, you're probably going to think he's one of the best plays in the two-game slate. So it's like if you're going to hedge by building lineups with less Ronald Jones, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot in that example. Although I don't know if he's actually a great play this week or not. But uh, I, I I agree with Steve that the better option would be just doing a sports bet against the guy's performance if you're really hoping that they have a big performance and like basically the the concept is like your equity has increased so much
0: the
2: dfs tournament that you just want to buy a win by making a sports bet one of the issues is they do limit you pretty hard on on those props so i don't know if you'd be able to really put in enough to, to make it equate to like your dfs equity Gotcha. Yeah, so there you go. So this
1: one, one theoretical question to hopefully helps some people out there as you're sweating your lineups over the course of an entire weekend. And I think one big question, and this is one reason I know this is a big question because our pal Rinpak, who's a, another top-earning player in the world now, get you know really amazing across multiple sports. And he slacked me the other day asking like, hey, can you get to Patrick Mahomes? Is there enough value to actually make it work? I think this is one question a lot of people are going to have because uh, to me, it does seem like the top three QBs look a bit under relative to their ownership projections we have at Osmo.com. Of course, you can get that for yourself at Osmo.com slash join. Uh, but Mahomes, you know, going against Cleveland, a, a game with their total that's come up about a point and a half since it opened uh, up to a 57 point over under there. Cle- uh, Kansas City, 33 and a half point total implied total for them. Uh, like, I think to me, you know, Mahomes forcing your way there does seem like a move you should try to get to, but also Alex, the value pretty specious so far, really not anybody jumping out, not anybody like last week where a Deontay Harris, you could kind of go to and, and assume, I, mean, I guess maybe you could try going to him, but he's been priced up enough where it's not quite the same deal there. Uh, how are you handling that concept with the high price QBs and if you maybe feeling afraid to, to try to force their way to them just because they're so expensive.
2: Yeah, it's going to be really tough to, to make uh, Mahomes lineups this week because, I mean, really there are two standout options for your stack. There's Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Once you go beyond those two, like the quality of play drops a lot. So your your options to make a unique lineup that really is differentiated is, is a lot lower, especially given that we're projecting Mahomes to be the highest owned QB so one pivot like one team that I feel like is the opposite is Tampa Bay where you have three guys that individually they don't look quite as good but uh the team's chance of success is pretty good and with having three top plays instead of two that just makes any lineup you have with the Tampa Bay stack a little bit more unique than a Kansas City stack so that really worked out for me last week with Pittsburgh because they had four guys that you could realistically say were good players in tournaments and the ownership on Roethlisberger was low. So I might try to recreate that magic this week um, by going to a team like Tampa Bay where you don't know exactly where the production is going to go, but you do uh, have a lot of different options.
1: Steve how do you feel here are you feeling that maybe Mahomes even though you know the ownership could probably be a little higher relative to his chances of being a top 1 QB that price is a tough one, especially if you are trying to double stack with Tyreek and Kelsey, you know, maybe you're taking a lot of quality drops across every other position there. So how are you handling it, Steve? Do you feel like it's worth getting to the Mahomes here? And, and to a lesser extent, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson, or are you willing to kind of roll the dice with a, a Brady, a Breeze, some of these lower owned guys who maybe have a less high chance of being that top QB, but still uh, with the stack and the pricing could end up being an optimal.
3: Yeah, I think more of the uh, on, I'm more on the fading side of uh, Patrick Mahomes. I think his price is quite reasonable uh, and that's what's going to drive his o- ownership to where it is. So I think that's certainly uh very very fair and i think people are going to want to do that against cleveland in the uh with the biggest point spread there but uh i, I agree i think it's pretty tough to get to the right uh price points on those guys you know Tyreek Hill is also another 8000 on draftkings kelsey 7800 uh the nice thing about going with kelsey is there aren't very many really good tight end options so if you do want to do a mahomes and stack I would think that Kelsey would make a little bit more sense over uh, Tyreek Hill so I think that is reasonable and the other option that you could do is kind of like I was saying earlier kind of bank on the hopes that maybe Sammy Watkins Watkins doesn't play and you have guys like Nicole Hardman and Demarcus Robinson that are a possibility for uh, really in play type of guys I would probably lean slightly towards demarcus robinson especially as he's only at one percent owned in our ownerships right now so you get a really great value there uh and you could always swap to Michael hardman if you if you really wanted to there as well as uh robinson is slightly higher so i i think there are a few ways that you could stack mahomes but you have to do it in a unique way my my preferred option is going kind of like what alex was saying going more with uh brady or or breeze, like you also said, is another option. I think is is more my preferred option. Is they're also lower owned uh, as well.
1: So we got a couple of high price QBs, and you guys have mentioned, you know, again, to go, the idea of going to some of the, the cheaper QBs, but I do want to talk about the the Allen, the Lamar as well as, as Patrick Mahomes, because they are, you know, comparably good plays, but Allen and Lamar do tend to be a different case where because of their rushing ability, because of the touchdown equity they have with their feet, uh, they you know, you maybe don't want to double stack them. And and Lamar in a lot of cases this year, even though Marquise Brown's come on strong, Mark Andrews has been a popular player recently. Lamar running out naked for the most part, of unstacked the better way to put it, but um, he is still close for the most part uh you know those moves have been one you make during the regular season but alex how are you handling josh allen and lamar this week are you forcing them to be stacked in one with one guy with two guys or are you willing to run them out and just play them completely by themselves
2: i think for dfs strategy lamar jackson like the fact that he can uh rack up a ton of points running the ball almost works uh against you in a four game slate because like if you knew for a fact that Lamar was in the optimal he was the highest scoring QB that doesn't really give you a clear picture of who else will be in that winning lineup where if you have Mahomes or Josh Allen as the highest scoring QB you have a lot more clarity about who's going to be in that lineup because more of their production comes from passing so uh, of the high price guys I would definitely lean towards Josh Allen I feel like he has a couple more options than Mahomes with Diggs Brown and Beasley all being pretty good plays. In addition, you could stack up Singletary. He's dirt cheap uh, with Zach Moss out for the rest of the postseason. I mean, it's not super likely that he catches a touchdown, but you can get some correlation there. So I think, uh, I kind of look at Josh Allen, but, uh, Lamar Jackson plus to Marquise Brown or Mark Andrews, certainly a solid lineup construction. I'm just not as convinced that it's the best strategy this weekend.
1: Uh- Steve, how are you feeling here about the, the idea of maybe, you know, not being as bullish on Lamar because of the fact that the correlation might not be able to spike you to the top of a tournament. And, you know, Josh Allen, as as Alex mentioned, you do have Cole Beasley who hopefully another week getting that knee healthy could make it more viable. His ownership looks pretty low. John Brown busted another zero guy last week for a lot of people out there. So maybe some logic going back his way, especially with the, you know, the concentration that digs is probably going to get defensively from Baltimore. Uh, How are you feeling, Steve, about the idea of Josh Allen and if you have any thoughts about Lamar as well, maybe you're a little more bullish than Alex says, feel free to give us that as well.
3: Yeah, sure. So I'll start with Lamar Jackson just to kind of wrap that one up a little bit. So uh, certainly as a tough matchup against the Bull uh, Bills, <laughs> we, we saw uh, one thing we have seen with Lamar Jackson recently, and this does go to the correlation, is he has been running a lot more recently. So he had 136 yards and a touchdown last week. He had 97 uh, yards on 11 attempts in week 17 and 18 era and 80 of them on 13 attempts in week 16 so once the Ravens really needed these wins they've been not very hesitant to unleash uh, Lamar Jackson so I do think that he offers you a lot of upside uh, but it does make it very difficult to like Alex said to to predict who might be coming along with him the one thing where I think that it's a little bit different than a full slate is typically for a four game slate or especially if you're doing the two game slates or the single game slates you really need the optimal lineup or very close to it so while it is definitely a lot more difficult to predict who is going to come along with him uh, if Lamar Jackson is needed in that optimal lineup you will need him and uh, it it could be the fact that uh running him naked is a is a good strategy here for this uh the slates that we have this weekend, especially the two game and, and single game slates, four game you might be able to get away with it, but as you kind of delve into the smaller ones, it gets tougher and tougher to uh, overcome. If he just really blows up rushing on the ground.
1: So we're going to go through all four games here in the back half of the show, but uh, I wanted, we got a super chat here from Jeremiah who's been also spamming the chat, but he gave two bucks. So I'll, we'll take his question, but um, he saw you win, Alex, your big money. Obviously I guess missed all the other times you won big money. So now, but this time he caught it. Now he wants to know, <laughs> uh, what part of your website do you use the most? I know we talk a lot about the boom bus tool, the top Stacks tool. there's a lot of great ones out there at Osmo.comslash slash join, but Alex for the NFL in particular, which one do you feel like could provide the most edge for somebody who's jumping in for this, weekend
2: yeah i mean these are all like key parts of my process that we're publishing on the site so it's it's hard to like single anything particularly out it's more like how do you put it together so um it it depends also if you're hand building or uh using an optimizer uh so if you're hand building i think uh using the top stacks to kind of pick out which angle you want to approach the slate and then kind of using the projections and ownership uh, for the rest of the players to find a couple of low owned guys to pair with some really good values. That's the optimal strategy for hand building for uh fancy cruncher. You can really optimize the process by creating a ton of lineups. And then my strategy is sifting through them using these metrics like projections and ownership to find ones that really stand out from the others as far as being ahead of the curve and those factors.
1: And of course you can get access to all of that at Osmo.com slash join no active promos, but if we ever do have a promo coming up, we had the big one for the new year that just ended, uh, but follow the osmocom slash promos page. That's one spot. You can always find any deals that we have going on, including the NHL one with the Gretzky code. I mentioned earlier, but let's dig in game by game here and guys help us out. Hit that like button. If you're watching either live or after the fact, and if you're listening on the Osmo podcast network, five stars and a review is also appreciated very much in Apple podcasts. It's one way to make sure uh, that these things get heard and- and seen by more people. It's hitting that like button, giving five stars and review to Osmo's podcast and really any podcast out there you like. The first game up we should talk about, which has one of the chalkiest plays on both FanDuel and DraftKings. The Rams getting 19 and a half implied points at Green Bay, 26 implied points on their end. Over under a 45 and a half in this one, and we are unfortunately not getting blessed by John Wolford this week after his neck injury. Um, one of the most tilting things for me is just not being able to see this guy get his shot, and one of, I think, the best stories we've had in the NFL all year. Instead, we are getting Jared Goff in a low total with it, and really the hope in this game is that the defense for the Rams can control things, and as a result, we're seeing a lot of cam makers ownership, so... Alex, you tell me, how are you feeling about Cam Akers being a chalk play? You know, at a reasonable price, and for especially for a guy who's getting twenty to thirty touches in various games this year, uh, but still a spot that he could easily get game scripted out, and that'd be my concern. Um, how are you feeling about Akers as chalk, Alex?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think the game scripts with Akers is an issue, but uh, it was encouraging to see his workload last week. Where he, he saw 28 rushing attempts uh, to nine from Malcolm Brown. So it was good that as they rushed the ball 37 times uh, with the running backs, he's even with that much volume, he got like a high split. So I'd expect that split to be even more in his favor in a game where they don't rush that many times. And then he saw uh, 62 – he ran routes on 62% of dropbacks compared to 21 from Malcolm Brown. So – he is a little bit more game script proof than how they were using him earlier in the season um but they don't pass to running backs a lot in LA so uh, I think he's a, a very solid play but if he's the highest on play of the slate I don't think he stands out that much over other other options but one thing I will note though is that the Rams really didn't pass very often last week so It's going to depend a a little bit on Jared Goff's health where if he's fully healthy, they'll throw the ball like normal, which was about average in terms of the league. If they go back to last week's game plan where he was limited, then we could see Cam Akers see a million rushing attempts. Steve, how are you feeling about Cam Akers here? Again, with crazy volume
1: last week, and and really their one hope for the Rams to win this game, you would think, is to lean on Akers, to bleed that clock, and hopefully get some stops on, on Aaron Rodgers, who's been uh, arguably the best QB in the league this year. But Akers comes with some risk, Steve. So how are you handling him at, uh, again, a pretty high ownership in the neighborhood of 40% on both sides?
3: Yeah, if last week was any indication, I think they are going to lean on him pretty heavily. We do get an extra week of Goff trying to get healthier so hopefully he went from potential you know being a backup last week to being fine to be able to play but they didn't really lean on him they really tried to protect the ball Uh, and then this week they're they're going to probably try to do something similar keep it away from Aaron Rodgers so I I do think Cam Akers makes a really good uh, option for high volume I did like him a lot better when his ownership was was lower earlier in the week so now that it's kind of ticking up I think that there are probably some better options that you can find at other other places like uh, Aaron Jones on the other side of the ball for instance I think is a better option but uh yeah overall i think i'll probably be slightly under the field on acres unless his ownership kind of tickles back down a little bit
1: well, see. what's your appetite appetite for risk here? Because if you're going to be under on Cam Akers, maybe I can interest you in being over on Jared Goff, who's very cheap. And, uh, you know, the thumb injury, certainly not a great thing. His team's lack of faith in him, also not a great thing. But going against Green Bay, you know, probably going to have to pass a little bit more. Uh, one might think if they if they do end up behind and if we see early results for Devontae Adams. So would you have any interest at in Goff with really, uh, even for a four-game slate, nobody expected to be playing him?
3: Yes, yeah, so I so I'm not super heavy on uh, excited about golf, but one thing that is nice on uh, on golf is he does have two different options, Cup and Woods, that are very good options that you can kind of spread spread your uh, risk around on, and neither of them are very high priced. So one thing that we tend to see in the playoffs is that teams tend to go with their starters a little bit more heavily than they did in the regular season, uh, not nearly as much as we see in the NBA because – you know, players do get worn out pretty quickly in, in the NFL still. But uh, the Rams, both Woods and Cup saw that uptick so Woods got up to 97% of the snaps last week Cup up to 86% both of those are about 10% more than what they would expect throughout the regular season and Josh Reynolds he he saw his snap rates fall to 59% and Van Jefferson all the way down to 14% so while Josh Reynolds was kind of taking a lot of the opportunities away from Cup and Woods throughout the regular season. Uh, he wasn't doing so quite so much here in the game one of the playoffs. So I would expect something like that to continue. You got Goff at low ownership. You got Cup and Woods at kind of a pretty fair ownership as well. I'm not huge on this stack, but I think it's a, it's a fair stack that I would probably be at least with the field and or maybe over the field on.
1: Alex, I have to ask you about it, even though, you know, low total here, uh, Jared Goff, I think certainly with many a flaw uh, that you can point to, but are you feeling interested in him at all given the fact that he's going to be under 5% owned and, and theoretically could, there's a lot of game scripts that would include him playing from behind.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it it really is guessing kind of at his health. Uh, It's, uh, I, I guess I'd have to read more about how long it takes these thumb injuries to heal because I feel like. If he is back, then he would be a tremendous play, especially um, tight end uh, Gerald Everett and Higby are two of the punt options. Uh, as we saw, the snap counts fall for for Jefferson and uh, Josh Reynolds. They were still pretty decent for Everett and Higby. So I, I think they could be options to stack as well. Um but it's going to come down to, is, is golf back to normal? If he is, then I think he'll, if you're at one week ahead of everyone else, assuming that the Rams won on, on a big golf performance, I mean, that could be a tournament winner for sure. Um, but if they go back to last week's game plan, you're basically dead before it even starts as they just run the ball at a really high rate. On the other side here, I feel like we have
1: to talk a little bit about Devontae Adams in particular, uh, whose ownership uh, going to be pretty low, and we talked about some of the price crunch here, not a lot of obvious value, so that's going to certainly affect things, but I would also say that people's fear of Jalen Ramsey is certainly going to affect Adams. And um, you know, the one thing with the the Rams this year is that they've had, uh, they have given up some results outside. We saw it last week with DK Metcalf, where uh, he certainly was shut down on a lot of, a lot of routes really by Jalen Ramsey, but where he had success was being outside on some broken plays, getting downfield and Adams and Rodgers have the best connection. I think, you know, probably you could make the case out of anybody in the league, at least, you know, in that tier, I'm intrigued by Adams here being under 30% owned, and it wouldn't shock me if he's even lower than that just because of the fear people have of a shadow corner. But, Alex, how do you feel about this matchup for Adams where he's unbelievable of you know, yardage equity? He's really been the, the driving force of this passing offense, also a ton of touchdowns, but at the same time, you know he is going to be covered by one of the best, most aggressive corners in the league. So um, how do you feel about that relative to how maybe, let's say, casual players in the two, uh, two-day slate might consider it?
2: I think, uh, I mean, whenever you have a wide receiver, there's there's so much variance inherent in the outcomes in that position. Like, um, we saw John Brown go for zero last week, as well as um, the names escaping me. But uh, with Devontae Adams, uh, we've seen his results go anywhere from ten to fifty points on like a weekly basis. So like I think there's a pretty good chance, like despite the the bad matchup that he just scores enough points that you're gonna need him to win, kind of like a Derrick Henry style performance is definitely in in the cards uh as far as fantasy scoring for Adams. So I think um I mean there's a few guys that fit that bill on this slate. uh we got uh Kamara, Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Diggs. So you're really going to have to pick and choose but it's pretty hard to find one of those guys that's just is so much more of a lock than the others so I'm just going to mix and match them
1: Steve, do you have any more of a feel here? And it's worth pointing out the Rams, the only team on this entire uh, two-day slate who has uh, given up under 300 yards on the year. So you could maybe expect less of a ceiling. But Devontae Adams, with the ability to catch touchdowns, we've seen him catch uh, three, four touchdowns in a game, certainly can be a guy who has that upside, even if he doesn't have a ton of yardage. So Steve, how are you feeling about his prospects relative to the ownership where uh, we have him currently as under 30% owned on DraftKings?
3: Yeah, I don't. I don't love his matchup for sure against Ramsey, but I think the one thing that we we do tend to see from Adams and Rodgers is they're pretty locked onto each other. The Rodgers, you know, he just doesn't look at Lazard and Valdez Scantling and those type of guys uh, nearly the same way that he looks uh, for Adams. He does look for uh, Tanya in the end zone, so that you know, could be a way that Tanya snipes a couple of uh, end zone type of targets. So that could be an option, but I think Adams is going to be pretty heavily on, on Rogers mind. And if, if the Rams aren't able to slow the uh, game down too much on the offense, I think that Adams could certainly be in, in line for a pretty big game. So I, I just, don't like the overall feel too much, though, of the game. So I'll probably be kind of mixing in a fair amount of Adams, you know, maybe somewhere around its ownership, slightly over. Uh, but I think that the Rams are just going to be trying to slow the game down. I could definitely see the Packers on the other side just trying to be careful as well, because if Goff can't sling the ball super effectively then you know why wouldn't they just kind of try to be careful get it to Aaron Jones have short passes to Adams not really go for some big plays it just doesn't feel like a game that could could blow up super big.
1: And uh, tomorrow, by the way, we will have a a show where we're going to be doing a little bit of a deeper dive into all the stuff um, in addition to the normal live before lock show. So if you want to get really deep on each game. There'll be some opportunities to do that. So we're just going to kind of hit the the high notes here, especially relative to ownership as we go. Uh, The next game on the Saturday on the Saturday slate, Baltimore, 23.3 implied points heading into Buffalo 25.8 for them over under a 49 and a half. That's come down a point since earlier in the week. And uh, we talked about the QBs here, but but Alex, the running backs for Baltimore, to me, look really under-owned, and it's certainly not great prices. But but J.K. Dobbins, there's certainly a world here where Baltimore gets to a lead, and then Dobbins could be the, the cam makers of the spot here, squeezing the air out of the ball, keeping Buffalo's very, very potent offense off the field. And for him to be under 10% owned, uh, under 5% owned per, uh, right now that we're projecting – I'm intrigued a little bit just because Buffalo's been weak against the run on the year, and, and really all it takes is a couple stops, and Baltimore is starting to run downhill uh, like they've done a couple times when they've had some of their more impressive wins. So, Alex, how are you feeling about Baltimore and, and, and also the running game for them where it's clearly such a focus, but um, there are also some ways that it could get really bad, really ugly for them?
2: Yeah, I can understand why Dobbins is pretty low on this week. If uh, we look at last week's back score, he ran the ball nine times out of a total of 32 for the team. So that was only good for um, 28% of the rushing attempts for Baltimore. And we saw Lamar Jackson ran the ball a ton. I think that that's not a mistake. Like Steve was saying, they are trying to run the ball more with Lamar in the playoffs kind of just because the, the stakes of the game are much higher. And if, if we do see Baltimore come out to a big lead, I think that's when Dobbins or Gus Edwards could have a big performance. So I, I don't love the play from a projection standpoint, because I don't think that Baltimore is going to just dominate the game very often. But if they do, we know that Buffalo didn't score many points and Buffalo players are going to be some of the more popular on the slate. So if you go on with Dobbins, you're fading a popular Singletary and Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen. It could be an interesting tournament move. Steve, how do you feel about Baltimore's
1: running backs here? Another spot that looks pretty under-owned. And, and also, if you have any thoughts about the Marquise Brown and, and Mark, Mark Andrews, you guys were going to be, you know, it looks to me, mostly appropriately owned, but you know, certainly could end up being a little bit higher owned here, if people, especially with Brown chasing some of the results he's gotten down the stretch
3: yeah uh marquise brown in particular there as you mentioned he's been really hot down down the last few weeks of the season so he scored six touchdowns in the last six games and having at least one touchdown in five of the last six games so really nice performances by marquise brown here lately so pretty interested in him uh but i do think that his ownership is going to reflect that so i don't think that I'm going to be super in love with that. I think you can have Marquise Brown at 26% versus Devontae Adams that we were talking about at 29%. Certainly there's differences in prices there, but uh, I, I think I've almost always got to lean towards Devontae Adams in that type of a situation. So so I do think that Marquise Brown is fine, but he's not super exciting to me. Uh, I would probably rather lean a little bit more towards mark andrews if i'm going on the pat the passing route uh just because the tight end situation is so murky this week as it has been all year long kelsey you know is the other big payup option but we kind of talked about how tough it is to stack them and uh, mark andrews makes a little bit better of a stack with uh, lamar jackson so i for the running backs i'm not super excited about either one of them i think you could even if they build up a lead it could very easily be Gus Edwards that gets some of the uh, touchdowns late it could be Jakey Dobbins we don't know for sure so I think that their prices are a a little bit high actually so Dobbins is all the way up at 6,000 whereas like Singletary on the other side of the ball is at uh, 4,500 so it's it's not a bad option but just the pricing is a little bit difficult
1: and we have to talk about one man on the Buffalo side who has really been um, uh, one of the breakout stories of the year. Uh, Stefan Diggs, a guy who's kind of changed the culture in Buffalo, uh, really been the key cog of their passing game in particular. And obviously, you know, by extension, opening some things up in the run game. And he's going to be one of the chalkiest players of the week. He's not quite priced up as some of his peers, the Devontae as the Tyree Kales of the Slate. And um, I, I have to say, like, even with him being projected for a pretty high amount of ownership, I still think he, to me, looks like a guy I'd want to be above the field on just because of how important he is to this offense and and so many ways that he could benefit, whether Buffalo's ahead or behind. But, Alex, how do you feel about Diggs' prospects as a chalky play, but also the one who's uh, going to be the cheapest? And and still, honestly, he was chalkier last week, so I think that is something to note.
2: Yeah, I think uh, Diggs looks like probably the best option at – wide receiver when you take into account price um although he doesn't get quite the target volume of Devonte adams uh the rams fast defense is a lot tougher than baltimore's pass defense and the fact that the rams may be more run heavy re- reducing the number of plays in the game like steve mentioned so i think Diggs is really a, a pretty uh i mean he's probably the best play of the bunch at wide receiver given the price and i mean um, I I can't see any reason not to, to play them really because Buffalo, they passed the ball at one of the highest rates in the league. So that adds consistency. And then the match versus Baltimore is not tough. Steve, do you have any
1: sort of feelings here about Diggs, who, as Alex mentioned, just value-wise does seem to be, in terms of the star receivers, the best value-minded approach here. And his important to the offense, certainly hard to dispute. Um, and, and, you know, you, you saw it firsthand last week, Steve. So how do you feel about uh, Diggs here going against a, a you know, Baltimore team who has shown some, some ability to defend, but also, you know, definitely gave up some big games, some big plays to A.J. Brown last week in a way maybe you wouldn't expect?
3: Yeah, he was he was that major chalk last week and he paid off with a, a big game. So six catches for 128 yards. Most people aren't going to complain about that. So his ownership is going to be reflective of that big game, I'm sure. People like when they play a player and then he does well for them, me included. So I, I would expect that his ownership is going to be pretty high and we do show it as pretty high right now. So he is a good value um, and he is going to be highly owned for it. So I don't think that makes him a all in type play, but I think definitely a good play. The one the one thing that I do worry about a little bit uh, for this game and for Diggs and John Brown and Josh Allen, all, all for that matter, is that the weather doesn't look particularly great. So the temperatures are somewhere around freezing, which is a problem in and of itself. But the bigger problem is that wind looks like it's going to be in the 15 to 20 mile per hour range. Uh, when teams get in games that are in the 15 to 20 mile per hour range, you definitely see decrease in yards per attempt, as well as how often uh, teams tend to to pass the ball. So watch out, w- watch for that wind in particular as we get into the morning before the game, because sometimes early reports like this of what the wind is going to be end up not being accurate. But uh, if it looks to be that bad or worse, I think it is a reasonable to, to kind of fade this game and, or at least that the passing game and go to someone like uh, one of the other games like Drew Brees or Brady that we were talking about earlier, or potentially uh, Devin Singletary, who, you know, Zach Moss's injury last week puts uh, Singletary as I would say one of the best values on the whole slate and he's going to be able to get as much work as he can handle i would imagine as yeldon hasn't been a big factor for their offense all year long um and if that weather really turns into something that that makes him lean on singletary even more i think he could be at 4500 one of the best deals on the slate
1: yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, was, I forgot to bring that up, but I was going to mention it before we jumped off the game. But, yeah, definitely going to be a little more just in Singletary this week. Zach Moss out and uh, TJ Allen, as Steve mentioned, going to be in the mix, though. Uh, probably not to the same extent that Zach Moss was. Uh, next game on the Sunday, the first game on the Sunday slate, uh, Cleveland getting 23.5 implied points at Kansas City, 33.5 for them. As I mentioned, very high over and under in this one, 57 points overall. And uh, Alex, I feel like you see a total like this, you know, Cleveland's high powered offense. You, uh, you, we know Cleveland uh, pretty much a team that has, I would say excelled, or at least had a lot of situations where they're playing from behind and, and having to pass a lot or, you know, to just get hot early and get a little, a little bit of luck. Like they did last week against Pittsburgh and then Baker kind of rises with that tide. But how are you feeling about their prospects here? Because it does seem kind of like a low total here for, for Cleveland, given the high upside you've seen of them. And uh, I, I'm not sure. Sure what to make of them because the ownership also isn't too bad for really any of these guys so maybe some potential here alex for cleveland to be useful
2: definitely yeah i mean kansas city excels on the offensive end but on the defensive end they're they're decent but not anything that's going to move the needle when it comes to some good talents like cleveland so i, I do expect being big underdogs uh, a guy like chubb could be a little bit under the radar the pricing isn't great, but the upside is there if Cleveland has an outlier like they did last week. And then Jarvis Landry has really excelled ever uh, since the Odell Beckham Jr. injury. And uh, it might not show because they had some really ugly weather games in, in, the, in the season where they didn't pass much, but he's, he's a very solid option uh, leading the wide receiver core in Cleveland. Steve, how are you feeling
1: about Cleveland here? And would you be willing to get some Baker, another guy at QB who's not going to be anywhere near his own to some of the higher priced, higher ceiling guys that we know Uh, But Baker, you know, going to have to throw one would think. And, and still, you know, the running backs as well, Chubb, as as Alex mentioned, Kareem Hunt, who was involved last week, it can certainly be one way uh, for, for Baker to get some easy passes could be going to hunt a bit more. So uh, are any Browns in particular jumping out as being one that you want more than the others?
3: Yeah, I I think that uh, one of them is Austin Hooper. So Austin Hooper played a season high 90% of the snaps last week. Mentioned that teams do tend to go to the guys that they really prefer a little bit more in the playoffs because of uh, how, how things are. And we've talked about how the slate is kind of devoid again of of a tight ends. So Hooper might be a, a good option there. He's priced really low, and I think his uh, ownership is – uh, pretty fair for that uh, spot. Uh, just as Alex said, I do like Jarvis Landry as well. I think that he also saw 87% of the snaps. That was his second highest total of the season. So they're definitely concentrating on uh, those two players. So I, I think you can uh, see that. And then Oh yeah. Also Higgins also had his second highest snaps of the season. It looks like as well. So Higgins might be another third player. So they're really concentrating on those three guys, I guess, technically. And I think all of them make good stack uh, components with Baker Mayfield, especially if the chiefs build up a lead, like, uh, you know, like you would kind of expect Uh, the one thing that we do see a little bit. So the total is at 57, which is the highest on the slate. And the the ten point spread is also the highest on the slate. Uh, games in Kansas City do tend to go under the total uh, a little bit more often than what you would expect. They go way over sometimes as well, but there, there's not a ton of you know huge blow up games. You've seen some of Mahomes' biggest games be on the road, and it's often kind of how the wind plays a factor with uh, that stadium. So. There is some chance that uh, that could slow down Mayfield and or Mahomes, even if it is a uh, a shootout type game. So I I think I, I would prefer to lean on those kind of those three wide receivers on Cleveland and Mayfield, but not super
1: all in on them. So, Steve, we talked earlier about uh, the Clyde edwards helaire status being up in the air. And because of the price points, I mean, you could theoretically just put, you know, edwards helaire in a lineup and then swap to Bell if he's out. Is that something you see yourself doing here because of the game script? You mentioned the wind as well, you know, a 10-point favorite at home for, for Kansas City. It does seem like there's one of these running backs, you know, at least theoretically should have a good amount of opportunity and uh, really not a lot of ownership because of the questionable status. So how are you handling that, you know, specifically with your optimizers and how you're running lineups for the two, uh, the two day slate?
3: Yeah, I think Edward Tolera is the, the toughest one of kind of the injuries. And and the interesting thing about this slate is so many of these injuries are on the, on day two. So you're going to have to, <laughs> you have overnight that you can try to do some of the uh, re-optimization. So I, I don't, really love going with Edward uh because of the questionable tag what we'll likely see you know Leviad Bell could be uh, pretty heavily involved but could also be Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams is all the way down at 4,000 so I don't mind taking a few shots on him but uh, yeah I just think it's a really tough one that if you're if you're going to Edward Solaire you A swap I might like more is probably going to uh, someone in in the Tampa Bay game, whether it be Ronald Jones also is questionable. But uh, I think you're missing out on a lot of the running backs on day one if you if you use edwards Hilaire. But like you said, the ownership is is a pretty good value. So so that's a tough one.
1: Alex, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you have a little more interest in Edwards Hilaire, given the fact that he's going to be under 20% owned and, and does, you know, have that swap to Bell? I mean, really has a swap to whomever. I guess the question is really, do we know who's going to be getting the snaps if Edwards Hilaire somehow misses? And I think the assumption would be Bell, but as Steve mentioned, you do have, you know, some guys behind him, Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson, for whatever it's worth, did have that one breakout game down the stretch. So um, how would you handle that, Alex? Do you want to get Edwards Hilaire in a lineup as just a placeholder or are you willing to move away? Because as Steve mentioned, there are some other quality running back plays.
2: I think the workload if Hilaire doesn't play would be pretty hard to to figure out between Bell and Daryl Williams, where in week sixteen Daryl Williams saw more of the rushing attempts than Bell. That's it's our latest data point. So uh, what I do know is that between the two, like neither of them will have the same workload as Edward's Hilaire would. So that kind of screws up your whole line of construction if you have Edwards Alaire p- penciled in, and then you have to make a swap to to uh, a different game or a different player in this game. So you are risking a lot by by locking him in there. Uh, so I guess that's uh, that's a good enough reason for me to look elsewhere because I'm not ecstatic about Clyde Edwards Alaire anyway, since. Kansas City does pass the ball at one of the highest rates in the league. And I guess we have
1: to ask this question here, and it's totally okay if there isn't a perfect answer, but if you had to choose one, Alex, between Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, just given the prices and how lineups seem to be working out, who would you have your lean towards?
2: I'd lean towards Kelsey. I think uh, he has a position that's a lot more uh, determinative of what that overall day is going to, be like so. If Kelsey outperforms his projection of around 20 points, there's a very good chance you're going to need him. Where Tyreek, it's like there's several guys uh, that have similar projections at wide receiver, and uh, it's very possible that Diggs or Devonte Adams outscores him. I mean, he's a very great player though. So um, I definitely feel like Kelsey is a more more worthwhile play. But then it does make the the rest of your line of construction a lot tougher spending up at tight end.
1: Steve, how do you feel here? Do you have a lean between Hill and Kelsey? If if you had to choose one, just because people won't be able to likely won't be able to afford both easily.
3: Yeah, I would, I would go with Kelsey as well for pretty much all the same reasons. Uh, I think the one thing you can do more likely is you could play Kelsey without Mahomes and just because of the scarcity at tight end, but if you play Tyreek Hill without uh, Mahomes, there's, it's, it's tougher because you want to stack so many on your wide receivers. So overall, I think I'd, I'd lean towards Kelsey. It looks like on my recent run that I did here right before the show, I got Kelsey more at a almost a two to one ratio.
1: Yeah, definitely compared to the other tight ends. Uh, it does seem like Kelsey in a, a class of his own as he has been all year. And just to be contrarian, I'll go against uh, two of the top earning players in the world and I'll take Tyreek Hill because uh, why not? When you take a high character guy like Tyreek, uh, I, I think the thing to me is just really, we saw what Pittsburgh did through the air last week, going to the wide receivers. And, you know, there isn't three guys for Kansas City. I would think that get the lion's share production. I do think Tyreek uh, to me has the sort of ceiling here that I'm afraid of not getting. So uh, I'll definitely be with the field on Tyreek at least, but I imagine I'm actually going to go a little bit above just just because why not last game on the slate tampa bay 24 and a half implied points at new orleans twenty seven and a half implied points over under 52 uh earlier in the year people may remember new orleans stomped tampa bay one of tom brady's worst games but also uh, maybe a bit of a wake-up game for him as he heated up down the stretch admittedly against some weaker opponents for the most part Uh, but alex we do have a tampa bay team here who nobody owned over 20 percent you've talked about tom brady earlier and again a lot of ways here uh, just because new orleans does clamp down on the run pretty well Maybe a lot of opportunity for a uh, pass-heavy Tampa Bay team to get results with Brady. So just quick thoughts here. If you had to favor any pass catchers for Brady, you have a lean amidst uh, Evans, Godwin, Antonio Brown, or Gronk, another guy, another infamous zero last week.
2: Oh, definitely. Yeah, I think um, Evans and Godwin would definitely be my preferred options. We did see Antonio Brown snap count fall significantly uh, when Evans – was full health last week, um, which was a little bit of a surprise. So uh, Evans and Godwin were out there on 95% of the dropbacks, where Antonio Brown was only out there 60%. Given Antonio Brown has still been producing really well on a game like basis, I would lean towards Godwin and Evans. Steve, do you have a
1: lean here as well? Uh, you know, Mike Evans, it's worth pointing out, too, for the folks out there who I know are afraid of the matchup against Marshawn Lattimore, who has meaningfully oppressed Mike Evans a lot of times, but for the most part, not been that great on the year. So just want to throw that into the mix for you as well. Yeah, this
3: is one of the games that I probably like the most overall, uh, just because we've talked about the weather and kind of the impact that uh, the wind has. And this is a game uh, that has no weather impact. So you should be able to get a nice bump for the quarterbacks. They're both uh, maybe on the little bit older side, older than me. So that's, uh, that's uh, unfortunate for them, but uh, it could be a a game for the elders to be able to really kind of be the, uh, the hammer that throws down the end of the slate. So I I also like Evans and Godwin. It was pretty impressive to see Evans come out and get eighty four percent of the snaps uh, and have you know get ten targets for one hundred and nineteen yards. So it looked like his injury was kind of major when you when you saw it on on the replay but he he looked fine last week and uh, that was that was pretty impressive so I like going over the field on both of those I prefer probably Godwin slightly just in case Evans isn't completely 100% even though it looked like he was Uh, so I'll I'll try to take Godwin there slightly their prices are almost the same so you might as well uh, just kind of lean that way slightly for Gronkowski I think he's fine Uh, he's not You know, probably going to blow up the slate like Gronkowski of old, but I think he has a very good chance to find the end zone in a game that has sneaky potential to shoot out more so than what some of these other games might.
1: And Alex, before we jump off here, a couple of quick questions about New Orleans, because I want to make sure to co- cover everything as best we can here. And of course we'll have more shows that dig deeper here, especially before tomorrow, a live before lock and the strategy show before that will help give you guys a full deep dive on every single game here. Uh, but Alvin Kamara going against Tampa Bay, you know, on paper, a tough run defense, maybe a reason some people won't play him, but we've seen in the past Kamara getting results, you know, a lot of short passes, a lot of dink and dunk. And, and last week too, you know, didn't start the best, ended up finishing strong. So I guess any feel for you with Kamara who, uh, you know, uh, been a slate breaker in the past, as you mentioned, and uh, maybe people a little bit afraid, more afraid of playing him than they probably should
2: be. Yeah, I think that Camaro is a great option. Uh, we saw last week uh, in their playoff game, he saw 23 rushing attempts to Latavius Murray's four. So that was an indication that maybe he'll have a higher workload in the playoffs than he did during the regular season which, uh, I mean, Tampa Bay is a really tough run defense, so he'll need those extra attempts for sure. Um, but he also catches the ball at a high rate. The only thing uh, caveat I would say is that there's a lot of good cheap running back plays and really good spend-up options at wide receiver, where uh, I feel like the optimal construction this week is going to be spending down at running back and not paying for Camaro. So, um I think there is a little bit of a disadvantage just purely on lineup construction here.
1: And I have to ask you about one more guy, Alex, who you brought to the table last week and mentioned on, on a couple of the shows, uh, Deontay Harris, who got back into the rotation, ended up being one of the uh, very necessary value plays out there. Uh, this week, he's still cheap, and the projection on him doesn't look that great. So I just want to ask uh, for people who may see the box score last week, seven catches, 83 yards, um, you know, definitely nice numbers against the Bears. Is that not somebody you see yourself chasing this week, even though he will mostly be unowned, it looks like?
2: Uh, yeah, there's a couple of factors that are leading me off of De- Deontay Harris, even given the performance last week. Will uh, Jordan Humphrey did play uh, more routes than Harris, so that made me question his status in the pecking order. And then Traquan Smith is back this week as well. It is possible that off the big Deontay Harris performance that he's earned his way into more playing time. I think the more likely result is we just see Traquan Smith and little Jordan Humphrey play a little bit, as well as De'Ate Harris playing a little bit. Steve, do you have any final thoughts
1: here on New Orleans? I know we, we talked about Kamara. We talked about uh, maybe Michael Thomas. Is he one of the guys you would consider as well at wide receiver? I feel like we should maybe just give some quick thoughts on him, given the fact that he's actually cheaper than Diggs and um, you know, certainly can be a target monster when he's needed.
3: Yeah, the price on Michael Thomas is pretty uh, interesting for sure. Michael Thomas is one of my favorite plays in the slate. So the the big problem was he was limited to 67% of the snaps last week and only caught uh, five catches for 73 yards, even though he did score a touchdown. So, so there's a lot of mixed bags there. Normally he would get a lot. Higher than seven targets, he would get a lot higher than seventy-three yards. But that touchdown does help people be pretty satisfied with his output. That the sixty-seven percent of snaps are are very worrisome, though, as well. So it was clear he was limited. We've seen teams that if their players are healthy, that they're gonna uh, get them out there as much as possible. And and Michael Thomas not being out there even close to where he normally is is a is a big red flag. But that said, it's another week that gives him a chance to get used to uh being out there and I think that he will take advantage of that um and hopefully he gets to to see his snaps up a little bit higher and is a little bit healthier so his price all the way down at 6,700. He's historically a guy that you would expect to see up there with Tyreek Hill uh, in the eight to nine thousand range. So I think he's a great value again in the dome, uh, and I, I would I'm going to take quite a bit of shots on Michael Thomas, especially if his ownership
1: stays this low. Alex, do you have anything you want to add about Michael Thomas or any final thoughts here as we close out this show? And, and everybody should also make sure to follow at Osmo DFS, follow at Steve Buzzard, and follow at Chris Spags too. Why not? Follow all of us here for giving you guys a little bit of Friday morning content. But, but Alex, any thoughts on Thomas or anything final you want to say here?
2: Yeah, I think uh, I like Thomas. Uh, I mean, he's a great talent, and the price seems to be a little bit of a discount. Uh, it, it is a little bit hard to get to Breeze stacks um, because of how much Taysom Hill is involved. So that's always a tilting factor. So uh, not my favorite stack, but I do like the individual players.
1: All right, so that's it for this week's show, guys. Make sure to follow at Steve Buzzard, follow at Osmo DFS, follow at Chris Spags. I'm actually doing another stream here, talking some Sims on Splash Play. So go check out Splash Play too uh, with me, Pete Overzet. And this week, we have Justin Freeman coming on. And, and again, subscribe to the notification bell. We're going to have a lot of content coming up this weekend. Individual, uh, s- live before locks for the, the Saturday slate, the Sunday slate, in addition to talking about the four-game slate. So a ton of content, as always, here on Osmo. We appreciate all you guys for watching. Make sure you hit that like like button before you go. We'll see you guys again very soon. Good luck.